Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Why should we witness? Why should we witness? Let's get Matthew chapter 9. As we're doing that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we certainly are thankful we can open Your Word freely. We're thankful that we have a place to meet. We're thankful that we have a Holy Bible, Holy Scriptures, that we can open up and learn how to live a holy life. Help us as we learn why uh, it's so important to be able to witness to the lost. We ask this. We ask Your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. The first reason why we should witness is we need more laborers. It's not a common thing in the workplace, in the, in the physical realm. Um, bosses need more work, workers. They need more help or they need better help. Um, it's not uncommon in a household. One of the kids has to pick, you know, pick up the slack. You gotta, well, we need more laborers. We see that clearly in the physical world. In the spiritual world, let's see, Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36, we'll start with. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. A few things to note here. Um, everybody sees the multitudes. It don't matter what walk of life you're in. Everybody looks out and see the multitudes. Few people are moved with compassion. It's real, real hard, and I try to do my best to stay away from motives because I don't know people's motives. I dare to say you really don't know people's motives. The Lord knows these heart motives. We've got to go on. How do we evaluate things? Based on our life experience. It's good. We do it. Based on what someone has told us. We collect information. All that's good stuff. But ultimately, I want you to check your heart. I'll check my heart. When we see the multitudes, does it move us with compassion? Are we really, honestly, sincerely wanting them to come to know the living Savior? Or do we just have a bunch of ammunition and we just see them as a target today? Now, there's public ministers, there's street preachers, there's people out there that are out there, full guns a-blazing, this is, I'm taking you out. That's not our place. The Lord, He'll deal with all of that. We are employed by Him as laborers. We are to follow His orders, not make up our own orders and just try to mow people down. So the first thing, are we moved with compassion? If not, we need to get some quiet time with the Lord and pray on that. Um, the scattered brought the sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. There's plenty to pick. You can't take the gospel to the wrong address. Wherever someone feels led by the Lord to go, they can't go wrong taking the gospel there. 
plenteous harvest. Here's the problem. The laborers are few. And this is why we need to consider witnessing more because the laborers are few. Pray therefore, look at this, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. It's all the Lord's, man. It is. How many church members do you have? This is a common question among churchianity. Well, why does that matter? Look, I get it. We want to know. We need to understand numbers. and I, Take that part out. Okay? It's the Lord's harvest. We are His laborers. It's His church. It's His creation. It's all of His. We need to get in. We're employed by the Lord. We are not employing the Lord. He has employed us. Us. And that's a distinction that needs to be considered before we go out and just ruin the thing. <laughs> Compassion. Yes, we need laborers, but it's the Lord's. He's the boss. All right, let's go over to Mark. Ma uh, Matthew, Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5. Verse number 19, 519. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had, look at it again, compassion on thee. Guess what comes up a second time? Compassion. The Lord is compassionate. We forget about that. Because this uh, McChurch mentality of God is just love. God would never judge. God just forgives everybody. That, that cliff that people drive off on. And then on the other hand, we have people that are just, God hates you and he, you know, homos are... And, 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 and it's all wrath and damnation and hell. And you know what? Both sides have some truth. Yes, God is love, but He's wrath. Yes, God is forgiving, but you need to come to Him on His terms. There's got to be a balance, and I believe that word compassion helps us in our hearts to balance that out. We shouldn't leave out God's wrath because we're afraid someone might yell at us. But we can't leave out God's love because we're afraid somebody might say, what do you want of these worldly modern preachers? No, I just believe that God is love too. <laughs> Compassion helps us balance that out. But look what, what, look what it's told here. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Your friends, my friends, your lost co-workers, my lost associates, your lost neighbors, my lost neighbors. Why should we witness? Because they need to know how great our God is. Wow, did you see 
How great that he threw the football and they got the touchdown in the end zone. And whoo, well, man, what a what a Sunday it was. You know how the Monday shop talk goes. Everybody wants to brag how great their team did. The weekend's done. We've accomplished our wins. We've accomplished our successes. Man, you know how great that team performed. Man, you know how great, great that competitor conformed performed. Now, do you know all the stats on how great this guy is? I do. And that's great. And I have hobbies and you have hobbies and I have interests and you have interests. Hello though. Don't forget how great God is. You can't forget we have a great God and people need to know how great he is. Now you really want to kill a Monday lunch break. That's how you do it. Why are you upset at me when you just bragged on your greatest sports idol? And now everybody looks at me like I'm a Martian because I'm trying to brag on how great our God is. The world has a double standard. We need to be gracious. We need to be kind. We need to be approachable. We need to be loving. And with all that said, people will still accuse you of not being those things. We need to make sure in our hearts that we are moved with compassion first. But we can't take every, um, every charge against us for being unloving and uncompassionate as if we're being unloving and uncompassionate. We have to balance out those charges brought against us and search our own hearts. Are you, are you uncompassionate? Or is that person just upset because you told them how great God is? Mark chapter 16. Why should we witness? Reason number three. God commands it. Reason number three, part B. God doesn't want anybody to be damned. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's the doctrine of creation right in, the, in, 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 this, in this verse. Why are we to go to every creature? It's a, it's a created being by a creator God. And it's his command to his creatures who have been born again to now go and preach that gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not and is not baptized shall not. <laughs> That's not what it says, does it? That's not what it says. We're not going to get all into the whole getting in water get you saved we're not going to go off on that rabbit trail. That'll take us a good 20 minutes. It'll be fun. We want to stay on topic, though, for this morning. Why witness? He that believeth not shall be damned. If you, when I first started building this log home, 
one guy that was working, he hit his hand on something, and I barely knew him. And then he said, God damn it. So the only thing I could think of to say to him was I just looked up and I said, so you believe in damnation? <laughs> and that opened up an opportunity to start being able to witness. The word is nigh thee. People believe in damnation. In their heart of hearts they do. And the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You believe, you're saved. You believe not, you're damned. God doesn't want people damned. That's why he has commissioned us to go out and give the good news with a compassionate heart because the laborers are few. They need to know how great God is. And that's the commission and command that he has given us. He makes the rules, we follow the rules. We don't make our own rules. And All right, let's go over to see what Luke says under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Luke chapter 1. Let's read a couple of verses here. Luke chapter 1. Let's start at verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. God wants others to rejoice in the Savior. She was full of joy. There was rejoicing. She's blessed. He is mighty. And had done great things. His name is holy. God wants others to be able to have the Christian joy, the Christian rejoicing, the blessedness of knowing the Savior. That's what God desires. Others to be able to rejoice in the Lord, their Savior. Mary was able to say that. God wants all of His creatures to be able to rejoice in the Savior. Luke chapter 14, verse number 23. Luke chapter 14. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Sorry about that. That was technical difficulty. Eye difficulty. Luke chapter 14, verse number 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out! Ah, just keep it in the church. How about we don't? <laughs> How about we go out? into the highways and hedges 
and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What's the principle here? God commands us to compel others. A good friend of mine sells life insurance and other products that have to do with issues that people would not ordinarily want to talk about unless someone compels them to think about them. You probably have a lot of this similarity in certain aspects of your job, but who wants to go and sell death? Do you really want to think about, I'm going to die tomorrow, how am I going to protect my wife so that she's not under the burden of having to work because I died and or she's not under the burden of having to sell in the house because I died or she's not under the burden of having to hire uh, someone to take care of the kids because she's got to go out and work because I died or because you died. Nobody really wants to think about those things but they're important things to think about and so that's why the insurance salesman calls you on the phone or knocks on the door and he says, have you ever thought about what would happen to your family if you tragically were to die next week or tomorrow? Now, I'm young and I've got plenty of energy. I haven't really thought about that. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. You see how hard it is to sell death? You have to compel somebody to think about something that really isn't comfortable to think about. Now, as you get older, you start to think about it more. Am I right? You have some older, right? You, you probably didn't think about this kind of stuff in your 20s. Maybe not so much in your 30s, a little bit more in your 40s. But as people get closer to death, they think about, uh-oh, what am I going to do with my stuff? What am I going to... There's compelling. And that product is sold based on that salesman being able to compel that person to think about something in a different way that he or she has not thought about before. The fellows do type of construction work and you want to work for a homeowner and that homeowner says, here's what I want. I know you want that, but I want you to think about this in another way. And you've got to compel that person to think through something in a different way because their brain hasn't gone down that road before. We all do it. We all compel others. We have to keep this in mind in our witnessing efforts. It's compelling that person through a heart of compassion to really think about as hard as it is Eternity, heaven, hell, sin, death, Christ, repentance. Why should we witness? God compels us, commands us to compel others. Luke 15, here's the blessing. Luke 15, 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that 
repenteth. Repentance. God wants you to repent. God says that there is rejoicing in heaven when someone gets saved. Now, we're not going to go down this road because this is a whole nother lesson that we need to spend plenty of time on. God doesn't require you to turn from every, repent from every single sin in order to be saved. Because there's repentance and there's repenting. I don't want to get too deep into this, but I repent every day. <laughs> I don't get resaved every day. <laughs> do, do you see? There's, there, there, there's, two, there's truths to both. The people that say you've got to turn from your sins. Okay, which ones? All right, I've turned from them. How many more? What about the sins that I haven't brought up that I'm doing that you don't know about? Do I need to repent from them too? Oh, how about the sins that I don't know were sins yet, but I'm going to find out I shouldn't be doing those things after the Lord starts dealing with my heart. Does that make sense? All of us have gotten saved the same way, by God's grace, through faith, and the finished work of His cross. Do you know, I know people that were drunkards. I'm thinking of a man right now. He got saved, and guess where the liquor went? Down the drain the next day. I know someone else who got saved, and the liquor didn't go down the drain until a year or two later. Does that mean he got saved a year or two later? No! It means that God worked in his, had to work on his heart harder or whatever it is. We all grow and learn and change and repent of things at different rates. Whatever it is, eBay. Whatever it is, you can find it on eBay, right? Okay? Whatever it is that you're trusting in, whatever it is, you're trusting in when you die, you're going to repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're putting your faith and trust now in the person and the work of what Christ did for you. Not about list, making a list of all your sins and bringing them to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to stop all these. First off, no you're not. <laughs> You see that in little kids. They get saved. What do they do? They get saved on Sunday and Monday they're pulling their sister's hair. Well, he must not have gotten saved. No, he's just a little sinful creature doing what sinful creatures do. There's rejoicing in heaven when someone gets saved. That's why we should witness. Now the curse. Luke 16. Luke 16, verse 22. It came to pass that the beggar died. He was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which 
would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Why should we witness to others? Because of the testimony of this rich man who is in hell. Or we might have some physical discomfort here on earth, and we might have some torment here on earth. But we don't have it for eternity. You have a tooth, you have a toothache. That tooth might bother you until you go to the dentist and they put some formaldehyde chemical killing substance in you that's going to make you die. And maybe it does. I'm sitting back with my mouth open and this doctor's pulling out mercury. Maybe it got me two extra days or two months. I don't know. I don't know. They scared me enough and I got it out. Okay? I did it. Torment. It don't matter. It's going to end. It's temporary. Hell is not. The torment is not going to end. You got a bum knee? Guess what? It's going to torment you. And you're going to get it fixed. 15 years, however many years, guess what's going to happen? Ah, that bum knee again. You're going to get a glorified body and it's never, ever, ever going to bother you. Why witness the testimony of the rich man in hell? It's torment. It's eternal torment. See that testimony? Go back to the beginning. Now you know why we need to have a compassionate heart? We do. Luke 24. Luke 24, verse number 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. All I'm going to say here, we've got some more verses to cover, we're God's witnesses. We should witness. We should give our testimony of what he has done for us. The principle of being a witness for God. Not a Jehovah's false witness. God's witness. Let's go over to the book of John. Let's go to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Why should we witness? It magnifies God's love. John chapter 3, verse number 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why? Witness? Magnifies the love of God. John 3.36 Why should we witness? I don't think you and I would want the wrath of God abiding on anyone. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son 
shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We don't want that wrath abiding on any lost person. We want them to come to know the knowledge of the Savior. John chapter 4, verse number 35. John 4, 35. Say, ye not, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Grain is white when ripe. It goes from a green to a yellow to a light color. And this light or white color shows it's time to reap it. What does this have to do with the gospel? The harvest is ready to be gathered in. That's why he says, for they are white all ready to harvest. In farming, it's picking time, boy. It's harvest time, boys. That's why he says they're white. It's time now. We should have the same encouragement that the farmer has. The same expectation of a farmer. That farmer expects a future crop to come in. Even if you've planted a Single tomato plant, you know, you're expecting it to come to fruit, right? No one farms any other way. It might go in a different, it might not go on the ground, it might go in a pot, it might not go in a pot, it might go in whatever they hang it from and use water so that, you know, they're, they're against the natural ground nutrients and all that, whatever. Some grow it on their windowsill, some... But every single one of those people expects a crop to come. John 14, verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Did he command us? Did we go out in all the world and preach the gospel? Yes. Does he want us to compel others? Yes. Why witness? It really does show our love for God rather than our love for self. It's easier to just kind of hang out in Lowe's and buy some tools and, or for the ladies to hang out in Ikea and, or Walmart. And, and, right? And we don't have a problem giving the cashier anything. We take out our wallet, we give them some paper or some plastic, or we smile, we say thank you. And, but for some reason, given a little piece of paper that has what the Lord has done to save your soul, it shows our love for God when we're willing to step out of our comfort zone and take a little bit of... A one-finger peace sign isn't persecution, man. <laughs> That's not persecution. I give you something about Jesus. That's it. It's as simple as starting there. Well, let's go to God's wonderful plan. John 16. In case you didn't know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. 
Nevertheless, verse 7, John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So there's God's wonderful plan. That's how he set it up. He's going to do judge of sin of righteousness. There's judgment. He sent us the comforter. He is the one doing the reproving. What are we doing? We're reporting what our commander-in-chief has told us to report. You shouldn't judge me. Let me guess. You also know that Jesus turned water into wine. <laughs> They're the two verses that all lost people know. They know the Bible well enough to send them straight to hell. I'm not going to judge you but the book is going to judge you. And here's what it says. And because I love you, and I don't want God's wrath abiding on you, please, all I'm asking for is two minutes just to let you know maybe what you haven't heard before about a loving Savior who came to die and pay your sin debt. Please, can I have two minutes? And then you report to that lost person what God told you to report to him. And if they're offended, allow God's word to be the offense, not your judgmental attitude. Not your impatient attitude. I'll stop there. Because we've got like eight other points that probably it's a good stopping point. We can continue part two next Sunday. All right, thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. I hope it's compelled all of us to think differently about our witnessing efforts. We ask your blessing over the church service. We pray the little ones are having a good time in Sunday school. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.